This is In the Studio with Michael Card and Wayne Shepherd, and this is a program I've been looking forward to, Michael. This is the program that typically airs just before Easter, mm. so we're going to spend some time in the scriptures here and in your music today. I um, look forward to that. We're going to also talk with Steve Green mm. in the second half of the program when we get to the part about uh, the resurrection and the Lord appearing to those followers on the road to Emmaus. Mm. We'll talk with Steve about that uh, chapter of the Bible here in just a, a few moments in the second half of the program. But uh, give us an idea of where we're going to go in the first half in the scriptures. Well, we, w- we want to look at uh, the arrest, the betrayal of Jesus. Uh, I mean, that, that lays the ground for the crucifixion. I mean, that's a context. The fact that, um, you know, his own disciples, the, the men that he had poured his life into for two and a half to three years, and, of course, most, most particularly uh, Judas and Peter, hmm. uh, deny him and, and betray him. And, and then he's handed over. So we want to look at that first uh, from John 18. All right, we'll look forward to that. We're going to hear several of your songs here in the first mm-hmm. half of the program. And I failed to mention that Steve will sing for us yeah. in the second half of the program today. So all that's ahead. As we begin, though, let's uh, ask you to do the first song for us, which takes us back to the upper room, mm-hmm. Jesus with his disciples, which really is uh, the uh, the event that... Uh, Sets everything else in motion, right. doesn't the it? The prelude to the whole to, to the whole passion of Jesus is this final meal that he says he's he's longed to have with his disciples, and he uh, John tells us only John tells us that at the end of that meal he washed their feet, and that was the final uh, time uh, that was the the final act I guess that they had all together before it all began to unravel and he he finally uh, was arrested. So as we begin our scripture study here today in the studio, we begin with this song from Michael. It's called Come to the Table. Come to the table and savor the sight The wine and the bread that was broken And all have been welcomed to come if they might Accept as their own these two tokens The bread is his body, the wine is the blood And the one who provides them is true He freely offers, we freely receive To accept and believe him is all we must do Bread I 
the invitation is to come to the table. Mm. We're going to uh, take a close look now at John chapter 18 here. Michael, would you like to read the uh, the passage that talks about the betrayal and arrest of Jesus? Yeah, this is at the, the very top of chapter 18. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am, Jesus said. Judas was standing there with them when Jesus identified himself. And as he said, I am, they all fell backward to the ground. Once more he asked them, Whom are you searching for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you, I am, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. When Jesus says, I am, is this the same Greek word when it's used elsewhere where Jesus uses it well, himself? Well, of course, Jesus isn't speaking Greek. Uh, Jesus is speaking Aramaic. I'm sorry, yes. But, but, but it is in Greek here. You're right. Okay. But, but what we have here is uh, ego emi, I am, not I am he. But I am. And, you know, consistently when Jesus will uh, manifest this divine name, it's the divine name of God. When Moses asked God, what is your name? Tell me your name. So when I go back to the elders, see, uh, they'll, they'll recognize that uh, what I'm saying has come from you. God says, well, tell them I am sent you. And so that became what we know in our culture as uh, Yahweh, or mm-hmm. and the older uh, German form is Jehovah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus will uh, manifest this name uh, t- for himself. And people like in in the garden, people will fall down or people will pick up stones to stone him because he has he has uttered the unutterable name of God that is too holy to speak. You know, we've talked about this many times, but how many times have I read this? And Mm -hmm. I never really picked up that fact that that's the way he's responding. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the middle of the storm, you know, he'll say, don't be afraid. I am. And the sound of that name, you know, the power that's, that's, that it's revealed in that name shows that he is the Son of God. He, he is God in human flesh. But the difference here is he's not making that declaration to his disciples mm-hmm. in a boat. He's saying this to the enemy. This is a battalion. I mean, that's overkilling, isn't it, to send a battalion with weapons? Yeah, he is. And it's interesting. There's a, this really is a mixed group. There are, there are Gentile Roman soldiers here. And we are told in the Gospels that upon hearing, I am, they fall down, or the, actually they fall back in military fashion, expecting an ambush. Because the last thing they expected was for the very man they're going to search for to come up and confront them right, okay. upon entering the garden. So they have lanterns. They have torches yeah, they have for wep- a battle they are ready you're right they are ready for a battle and there are, a lot of people don't realize this is a cohort of roman soldiers this is from two to six hundred men and they have been trained they're some of the best uh, soldiers that the world has ever known and so when jesus comes and confronts them they're certain that a, a, a trap has been sprung so and of course they don't care about this i am business the the sacred name of of uh, Yahweh, all they know is that they have they have walked right into an ambush, and so they fall back in military fashion. But the the priests and the Pharisees that are there, they fall down on their faces because they expect uh, God to strike, okay. you know, Jesus dead for having said this. All right, okay, yeah. wow, it's so much. Yeah, it's just so a rich. few short verses, aren't yeah, there? It is so rich. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um, is this um, dealt with prophetically? Is this fulfillment of prophecy? In Anyway, well, I mean, certainly when God says, uh, you know, that He is God with us, I mean, that to me in in Isaiah, when He promises that His name is going to be Emmanuel, our God with us, that is is literally who Jesus is. Uh, he is God with us, and so He can manifest that name. Uh, he can call Himself by that name, and uh, certainly to the Pharisees and to the Jewish rulers, that's blasphemy. Hmm. But it's who Jesus is. Hmm. And, uh, and it's precisely why uh, he ends up on a cross, because that was God's 
um, plan from the very beginning. Don't understand why, don't understand how, how it is that he could love us so much that he would send his only son to die for us. But that, that, my grandfather used to say, the councils of eternity decided it, whatever that means. <laughs> and circling back, just one more thing about the I am. I was just looking here and, re- and seeing Jesus was asking that question, whom are you looking for? Mm-hmm. It was almost like he was kind of baiting them a little bit Absolutely. so he could say, I, I, am, I am he, I am. Yeah, he knows who they're looking for. Yeah. Obviously, he and knows. He doesn't need to have the question answered, but, right. but he needs to ask the question so he has an opportunity to say, I am. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And all along is Judas standing yeah. there. Uh, he, he goes to give Jesus this uh, familiar greeting of a kiss. And uh, when Jesus responds, and this is in the other Gospels, not John, you know, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? You can sense the feeling of woundedness. I mean, Jesus is wounded before the soldiers ever lay a hand on him. He's bloody before the soldiers lay a hand on him. He has sweat drops of blood and struggling with the Father. And then Judas, I think, and and then later Peter's denial will wound him. I don't think we, we have appreciated the woundedness of Jesus by being betrayed by two of his own disciples. Betrayal is a strong word. It well, and and it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a horrible thing. But both Judas and Peter betrayed Jesus, and the 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 difference is how they dealt uh, afterwards with that betrayal. We'll talk about uh, that more in just a moment. But let's pause here because you've captured this moment in one of your songs called "Traitor's Look." Mm-hmm. This uh, speaks about Judas mm-hmm. and that look. All right, here's Michael Card in the studio. called Traitor's Look, and it's about what we're reading here in John chapter 18, Mm -hmm. the betrayal of Judas. But as you mentioned, leading into the song, Judas was not the only one who betrayed Christ. No, no, he wasn't. And, uh, you know, as we look in the Gospels, we see that Jesus' closest friend uh, was Simon Peter. And the fact that three times in the courtyard at Caiaphas's, three times Peter denied uh, even knowing Jesus. Uh, uh, As I said earlier, I think that must have been one of the most severe emotional wounds that uh, Jesus experienced. Only Luke tells us in chapter 22 that upon uh, Peter's third denial, Jesus turned and looked straight at uh, Peter. And so Jesus had apparently heard uh, Peter deny him 
before these people standing around the, mm-hmm. little, the little fire in the courtyard at Caiaphas's. And um, I really do think as, as all of us prepare our hearts for Easter, we need to enter into uh, as much as we can that emotional element uh, that, of Jesus' suffering there at Easter. Hmm. Uh, we've been taking a look at this in John 18. Do you want to read the uh, verses that pertain to uh, Peter? uh, Peter's denial? Here? Sure. Um, starting... Actually, you left off earlier, um, just before Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear. Of right. The, high priest's uh, servant. Right, and I really love that about Peter. Um, uh, some people say that his denials uh, were a result of cowardice. I really disagree with that. I don't think there was a cowardly bone in his body uh, because, again, if you realize that he has drawn a sword and and attacked from two to 600 armed men, uh, of course, he expects Jesus to fight, certainly. Mm. I mean, this is the kingdom. It's coming, and, and, and here, okay, here we go. This is the moment of battle. Right, and Jesus said earlier in Luke twenty two thirty five has told the disciples to sell their coats and buy a sword. So Peter assumes, okay, you know, here, here's the war. Let's go. I'm going to fight on the side of the Son of God. And, uh, and then there come this series of rebukes. This has been a hard day for Peter. Uh, he begins... Uh, by being given the task of preparing uh, for Passover, uh, which is a fairly menial task. I mean, he has to go do the shopping. He has to prepare the upper room. Then then when the meal begins, uh, we know that John is, is seated uh, at the right hand, at the place of honor. And and I am convinced that uh, the, the left side, which was uh, called the place of the intimate friend, I'm convinced that that was where Peter usually sat. Mm. But lo and behold, when they get to the meal, Judas is sitting at Jesus' left. So Peter, in his humanness, is feeling left out. I think he must have been. And then, and and so there's Judas in his place. And then the foot washing happens. And Peter is the only person who voices what they all should have said, which is, Jesus, you shouldn't do this. This is not appropriate. And he's rebuked by Jesus for that. And, you know, as the time goes on, it's, as the meal's over, you know, and they're way, making their way to the garden. Jesus uh, says, you know, you're going to betray me three times. What did that do to Peter? It must have crushed him. Even though everyone else betrays you, I never will, he says. And Jesus says, really? You're going to betray me three three times before the cock crows. And then this business with the sword, only Peter responds, as all of them should have had the courage to do. Only Peter responds. And what does Jesus say? Put away your sword. Put away your sword. Everyone who picks up the sword dies by the sword. So this has been a difficult day for Simon. And I think the most difficult thing is seeing what he thinks is Jesus giving up, Jesus submitting himself to be handed uh, over, to be, to be bound, and to be led away. Because there are three things that Peter thought the Messiah would never do. He would never submit. He would never serve. And he would never suffer. And in the course of a few hours, Peter is going to see Jesus do all these things. Wow. Hmm. So I think when we get to the courtyard of Caiaphas, I don't think it's cowardice that makes Peter deny Jesus. I think it's despair. I think when Jesus says, you know, I don't know him. I think what, what lies behind that statement is what's happened, you know, that whole day. You know, I, I thought he would fight. I thought he would never give himself over. I thought he would do this. I thought he would do that. I, you know, I don't know this man. I don't know this man. It's not cowardice. It's despair. And Kierkegaard says that despair is the sin that leads to all other sin. And I really do believe that Peter is, is a despairing man as he's, as he's around the fire with these other people. That's in verse, uh, beginning at verse 15 of yeah. John 18. Simon Peter followed along behind, as did another of the disciples. This is after going to right. Caiaphas. And that's house. John, the other disciple okay. John. Uh, the other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, John, so he was allowed to enter the courtyard with Jesus. Okay, now that is a very important detail because what that lets you know is that when Peter enters the courtyard, it's only because John got him in. And what that lets you know is that uh, John is there as an acknowledged disciple of Jesus. He's not there in hiding. Okay. And so what do the people say to Peter? They say, surely you are not another uh-huh. of his disciples. And so Peter, it's not as if he were he was some secret disciple. He's there with an acknowledged disciple with John. And and so his denial, again, is not cowardice. Oh, no, I don't know him because he's afraid he's going to get arrested. I think, again, it's despair. Sorry I interrupted you. No, no, you. <laughs> I'm glad you did. So John goes inside. Peter stood outside the gate. Right. Then the other disciple spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. Right. The woman asked Peter, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Yeah. No, he said, I am not. Yeah. 
the guards at the and the and the household servants were standing around a charcoal fire they'd made because it was cold and Peter stood there warming himself and then there's a, a inter, interposed little block of uh, Caiaphas interviewing Jesus so we skip back down to verse 25 meanwhile as Simon Peter was standing by the fire they asked him aren't you one of his disciples and i think in the greek it's aren't you another of his disciples mm-hmm. and he says i'm not he said but one of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So John knows everybody. He knows who's related to who. Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. And it's at this point in Luke 22 that we we read that upon that third denial, Jesus turned and looked across the courtyard, and their eyes met. And it was that meeting of their eyes that caused Peter to break down, and he ran out crying. Wow. Well, uh, we're going to ask you to sing again in a moment. This song is called Why. Mm-hmm. I want you to explain uh, a little bit more about this song before we hear about it. Sure. There is, there is a story behind this song, because this is a song that um, I gave up on. Uh, the the questions uh, the the song is basically built around three questions and three answers, and you know you know me Wayne I, I struggle with uh, cynicism and there are three very cynical, very hard questions. Uh, you know why did it have to be a friend who betrayed Jesus? Why uh, a crown of thorns? See why the cross? Uh, and and what I discovered I had done is I wrote questions. Uh, that I didn't have answers for. They were harder than I can answer lyrically. And so I gave up. I, I put them in a drawer, and I forgot about this song. I thought, well, for you how know, long? Oh, for six months. Uh, I had, like I said, I had forgotten about this song. And then, and this is the only song that's ever come in a dream. In a dream, God gave me the answers to the three questions. You know, why did it have to be a friend? Because, you know, only a friend comes close enough to wound you the way Jesus had to be wounded. Why did it have to be a crown of thorns? Well, that's that's how the world treats anyone who's come to, you know, to, to demonstrate the love of God. A thorn is all the world can give. And why did it have to be a cross? And the reason it had to be a cross is uh, thieves were crucified, and Jesus had come into the world as a thief, and and he was going to steal the heart of the world away. And so I was given, you know, answers that were better answers than I could have ever come up with on my own. So that's what you, you in this song, you hear really two voices. You hear my cynical, sort of <laughs> skeptical <laughs> voice, and then you hear uh, the answers coming back that are a completely different voice. Well, I'm so glad to know the story mm-hmm. behind this song, Michael. This goes hand in hand with the scriptures. Michael Card in the studio. The song is called Why. Give. 
And why did there have to be a heavy cross he was made to bear? And why did they nail his feet and hands? His love would have held him there. It was a cross for on a cross a thief was supposed to pay. And Jesus had come into the world to steal every heart away. Yes, Jesus had come into the world to steal every heart away. As we've taken a look at the scriptures and considered the arrest and betrayal of Jesus, which ultimately led to his death on the cross, uh, many rich lessons for us here today. Yeah, and, and as we stand before that cross, I really do believe uh, the, the question is why? You know, we, we, we look up at, at this, this man who loves us so magnificently, and we just ask, why? Why would you do this for us? And the answer comes back, you know, for love of you. Mm. Uh, we are so magnificently loved by this man. He would rather die than live without us. Let's pause to thank him for that right mm. now. Uh, Lord Jesus, I would ask that during this Easter, you would allow each one of us uh, to make our way to the foot of your cross, that you would allow each one of us to ask and to anguish over why, why would you do this for a sinner like me, and that we might all experience uh, this realization that you love us so profoundly, you love us so deeply, in spite of who and what we are, uh, that you would lay down your life for us, that we are so loved, uh, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, and that you did that for us. Uh, Give us that realization in in a deep, deep way this Easter, and we will praise you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. We hope you'll take a moment and send us your thoughts about the program. Our email address is inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and Michael's music and teaching ministry, then join us on the web at www.michaelcard.com. Well, there's more music and conversation focused on the reality of Christ's resurrection coming up on the Moody Broadcasting Network. We are in the studio with Michael Card, and Michael comes to sing now, Love Crucified Arose. of hope.
For the heart that sin and sorrow broke Is beating once again Michael, thank you. What an appropriate song, of course, to be sung right now as our thoughts are centered on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've talked about the death. We'd like to turn to the resurrection of mm. Christ here in this part of the program today. Mm. We have this series of uh, mysterious appearances of Jesus, uh, and we're going to look at one of those uh, right now, the, the the appearance on the road to Maus. Our conversation partner is our good friend, Steve Green. Now, Steve, it has been much too long since you've been in the studio with us, but it's hard to find a time when you and Michael are in the same town at the same time. Oh, we're here together. Your hometown, yeah, as a matter of fact. I mean, we see each other from time to time, and um, it's the privilege has been to um, just walk in community, be friends for a long time. Uh, we're growing old together. At least I am. I don't know about yeah, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rapidly. Before my very eyes. We're... <laughs> Let's uh, turn to the passage that we've chosen. Steve, will you introduce this for us? Well, this is um, a tremendous account. Uh, It's called basically the two on the road to Emmaus. Mm -hmm. And this is the very day of the resurrection. Um, And it begins in Luke 24, verse 13, and goes on through verse 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel." Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones! and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Do you want to take over, Michael? Sure. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone on, But they begged him to stay the night with them, since it was getting late. So we went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, then gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts feel strangely warm as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, where the eleven disciples and the other followers of Jesus were gathered. When they arrived, they were greeted with the report, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Hearing the two of you read that, I was just thinking, are you glad that we have this account? Oh, yeah. That's tremendous. Um, You know, I just was noticing that that very day, two of them, Mm -hmm. and that's a reference to a few verses uh, prior. um, Right, John and Peter. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, the women came back, and returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mm-hmm. And their reaction was, it seemed like an idle tale to them. Yeah. So these are two of the guys who had just heard a firsthand report from the women. Yep. And it was nonsense. Wait, right, right before that, it, it literally says that. It says their words in verse 11. 11, it's, right. Their words sounded like nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I've ne- never seen before I heard... Uh, 
Uh, Steve, read this. How Peter is at the beginning and the in the end of this story. Peter's mm-hmm. a very important person, sort of to me right now. And then we were we were left with Peter standing by the tomb, wondering to himself what had happened. Mm-hmm. Then we have Emmaus, and at the end of Emmaus, we hear that Jesus had made this mysterious appearance yes. to Peter. Yeah. That's not recorded anywhere. Paul refers to it, and yeah. Luke refers refers to it, but none of the disciples, none of the uh, gospels tell us what happened. So Peter is kind of the bookend of this story of the road to Emmaus, which I find mm-hmm. really interesting. You know, I've heard it intimated that, you know, how could they be so dense? And I think that's pretty critical, actually, don't mm-hmm. you? No, well, nobody recognized him. I mean, mm-hmm. just think about it. Mary at the right. at the garden tomb thought he was the gardener. Uh, the, the disciples here walked and talked with him for a long time, didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in John 21, the second miraculous catch of fish, uh, in, in verse 13 of 21, even though the disciples are standing around him, it says, and none of them dared ask, right. who are you? Right. So for some reason, he wasn't immediately recognizable. Well, and Mark... Uh, referencing this same passage in Mark 16 says he appeared in another form. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I, you know, obviously okay. he didn't look quite mm-hmm. the same. But mm-hmm. I think another reason um, is because of the unbelief as well. Right. They had it, no expectations they just, to see him. No. They, yeah. There was the last thing in the world they right. expected was right. to see this same Jesus. And I don't, I don't think you get the resurrection until you realize that there was, I mean, absolutely no no expectation that he would mm-hmm. do what he said. When the women go to the tomb, they go to anoint a dead body. Mm-hmm. When they see a stone rolled away, what do they, do they say? Oh, he's risen. They no. say, oh, nobody, somebody's stolen right. the body. Right. And even Peter, uh, it's incredible to me, uh, Luke says, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Right. Of all people. Peter. Well, you know, the, the visual of seeing the Lord on the cross of knowing that he was dead. The dream died. And seeing the body then yeah. taken and put in a tomb, those are astounding images yeah. that had been imprinted on their minds. Mm. And that was the end. Yeah. That's so, reality. Mm-hmm. That's reality. I, I don't want to get ahead of you men here, but I'm just wondering, I'm looking at the verse, uh, well, verses you read, Michael, where they they sat down to eat, they took bread, right. and their eyes were open. Right. Very, now, what, what, what is that? Well, about? I mean, very, I mean, symbolic and almost sort of a parable. Jesus is recognized in the breaking of the bread. It's at that moment, uh, even though he taught them, it's when he breaks the bread that their eyes are open, that God wondered, takes away whatever sort of veil he had placed because they were kept from recognizing him. You can just, almost picture that maybe he broke the bread in the same manner or something that he did in the upper room, well, can't you? Well, Jesus is recognizing the breaking of the bread. We still, our eyes are still opened, hopefully, when we break the bread. We still recognize the presence of Jesus um, uh, amongst us when mm-hmm. we break the bread. I think that's what's going on. I think what's interesting, too, is he began, I mean, the breaking of the bread was the moment of their recognizing him, but he began with them uh, with a discourse of beginning with Moses and the prophets, mm-hmm. explaining to mm-hmm. them all that was written okay. in the Scripture concerning himself. And, um, you know, he didn't reprimand them for not believing the women's report because mm-hmm. the women had come to them and said, mm-hmm. look, um, the tomb's empty and all mm-hmm. of this. He reprimanded them for not believing the prophets wow, that's as good. if to say, look, if you had really mm. been reading this uh, with an intent to see Christ. And, and, and of course, that to me again is, is um, a, a picture back to John five thirty nine, where Jesus said, you search the scriptures diligently mm-hmm. to find eternal life. What you don't realize is the scriptures testify to me and you mm-hmm. refuse to come to me it's all to, right to there. find life. And he reprimanded them for not really believing what the prophets had said, which, which you know, again, is a picture to us. Christ is throughout the whole of scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, open a page without seeing either a promise about Christ, a prophecy about Christ, um, even even a type of Christ mm-hmm. in Old Testament figure. So what a great lesson. Uh, Christ turned to the authority of Scripture uh, to begin es- establishing. And Mike, I remember mm. you one time, uh, we were talking about this, and you said, man, what would I give for a, a tape of that sermon? <laughs> oh, yeah. To, to get to hear what he said, wouldn't that not be incredible? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it came in the context of a, a stroll, a walk. A walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a metaphor for us, too. Well, and that's very consistent with this whole ministry. I mean, Jesus walks and talks with them and disciples them, um, you know, as they're going from place to place. And this is the same Jesus. He's the same yesterday. You know, I almost wonder why they didn't recognize him when he started teaching. Oh. Their hearts were burning, but they didn't. Yeah. You know. hmm. And, you know, you, you said, okay, here, they invite him into their quarters and 
sit for a meal. And Jesus, the guest, assumes the role of the host. Host, yeah. And, you know, he's the visitor, but he's the master. Mm-hmm. And he's the servant at the same time. The he's servant. breaking the bread for yeah. them. And there's some there's some wonderful little human uh, mm-hmm. uh, elements to this story. I mean, obviously it's an eyewitness detail when they're talking about, are you the only one who hasn't heard? Right, right. And Jesus sort of, I mean, it's really what playful. Things? What yeah. things, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, you do you can't read that without chuckling. And this almost sort of Shakespearean, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over because mm-hmm. Jesus is going to go. He's making like he's going to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and I thought how wonderful. tender of him also to begin by drawing out of their own hearts the account. Hmm. Oh, that's you know, good. he yeah. just well, tell me what what it, what are the things that you know? Uh-huh. And and it's almost like when he's going to teach us something, he starts with the little fragments and pieces that we know. Mm-hmm. And okay, so that's what you know. Well, let me take you from here <laughs> and tell you the rest of the story. That's but what goes through, what goes through his heart when he hears them say, "We had hoped." Oh yes, yes. He was the one. Yeah. Well, you know, they did expect deliverance from the Messiah but they didn't expect it by his death. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's obviously the paradox of, of the cross. Mm-hmm. Their hopes were set on the deliverance from Messiah. Yeah. The cross wasn't anything at all that, that they were hmm. thinking of. And I don't know how we go about recapturing this, but I really do think in order to, to fully experience what they experienced, you have to realize that as they stood before that cross, there was nothing more likely to them than the fact that it, it had all been a lie, it had all been for nothing, yeah. and it was over. That was the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't know if we can uh, experience it that way because we know the end of the story, mm-hmm. but that certainly was, you know, that's, and it's all in those words, we had hoped. Yeah. And now. Yeah. And, you know, even when Jesus responded to them, foolish ones, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have to think that his tone of voice was still gentle. <laughs> um, Wasn't an indictment. You know, you talk about those little um, human moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I picked up on is when after they realized who he was, they said to each other, didn't our hearts feel strangely warm? Mm-hmm. As we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to mm-hmm. us, their hearts were warmed. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting uh, picture and phrase there. Well, they can't be in his presence without, um, you know, somehow being transformed and awakened and made alive. And, um, you know, even the fact of Jesus breaking the bread, you know, I thought they didn't recognize him in his preaching. Mm -hmm. They recognized him in a very simple act that was familiar to them. It was part of community. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had seen that lots of times. And I just was remembering again how important it is for us to walk together as brothers in Mm -hmm. community. And uh, somehow... And something so familiar, um, their and, eyes, their eyes were open, and so holy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a rich discussion as we celebrate the Lord's resurrection here, in anticipation of Easter this year. Uh, Michael, we can't have Steve in the studio though without asking him to oh, sing for oh, us. Actually, of course not. <laughs> we're going to do it this way though. On a previous visit, when Steve was with us in the studio, thank you, <laughs> uh, Brian. Brian Howell was with you at the yes, piano, and so yes. we took the opportunity to have you both here to do this song we're going to hear now. So this is kind of a replay, mm. but how rich this is. Mm. This goes back to the time Steve was with us. This song is called "I Can See." Brian at the piano. Here's Steve Green.
Can't you see who walks with you? Can't you hear who speaks your name? Can't you sense something stirring in your heart? How his words ring strong and true, like a once familiar strain. Can the paths we follow? From now on, be the same. I couldn't bear for him to leave me, so I begged him, please, to stay, spend the evening, a few moments before he went. Way. Then, like a host, he stood and blessed me, broke the bread and poured the wine. Then I knew there was something there I recognized. Yes, I can see who walks with me. I can hear who speaks my name. I can sense something stirring. In my heart, how his words rang strong and true, like a once familiar strain. And I know I'll never be the same. I can see. And suddenly, I knew Yes, I can see I can see who walks with me I can hear who speaks my name I can sense something stirring in my heart, how his words still ring strong and true, like a once familiar strain, and I know I'll never be the same. I can see. Steve, that song really captures uh, what we're hoping for mm-hmm. this Easter season, to have that experience of having mm-hmm. our spiritual eyes open and realizing all over again what it is that Jesus did for us on that cross. So in, in the few moments that we have remaining, would you pray mm-hmm. for the people that are listening and, mm-hmm. uh, and ask God if he would do that in us? Mm-hmm. Lord, I, I know that uh, even at this moment as we're discussing this passage, um, there are some listening um, who have an historical understanding of Jesus. They can relate um, facts and figures about his earthly life and his existence here. But they have yet not seen him as the Messiah, as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would do that miraculous work again, that you would open eyes of our understanding so that we can recognize you seeing you, Lord, as you are, as the Redeemer, as the Savior, as the servant Savior, the one who came to give your life Mm. so that we could be forgiven. 
Lord, would you do that miracle now uh, for those who are listening and yearning for you in Christ's name? Mm. Amen. Lord, I agree with uh, with Steve's prayer and 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 add to that that uh, we we ask that you would give to each each person that's listening with their heart uh, this experience of having their eyes opened that they would uh, sense that their own hearts are strangely warmed mm. as they hear this message of who Jesus is and and what he means. Uh, there are those listening who who are as hopeless as those uh, disciples were on the road mm-hmm. to Emmaus, mm-hmm. who've given up hope and believe that it's all for nothing. Would you meet them, Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, this Easter? Would you meet them? Would you break the bread of yourself with them mm-hmm. and, and feed them and feed us yourself uh, so that we can follow you and serve you and, and be in fellowship with you? Uh, Lord, thank you for my brother Steve. Mm-hmm. I pray that you would bless him, bless his ministry and his family. Uh, thank you that he's here with us. Uh, pray that our our community would grow deeper and stronger and that you, Lord Jesus, would continue to be the center of the reason why we get together, why we have meal fellowship, why we talk as we uh, walk Mm -hmm. along the road, Mm -hmm. uh, because you're the only reason for doing Mm -hmm. uh, anything, for singing or for writing Mm -hmm. or, or for coming together. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've given us in each other. Amen. Thanks, Michael, and thank you, Steve. You've been listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. We hope this time together has been used by God to enrich your faith in our living Lord. And if that's true for you, please get in touch with us and let us know. You can email your comments to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And if you need more information about this program, then visit us online at www.michaelcard.com. Here's what Sandy had to say about this ministry. I was so pleased to bump into the website for the radio show. This is truly inspirational. I would just like to tell you, thank you for touching our lives with your gifts. Well, when you visit us online, be sure to check out how you can access the special features for those who become members of a section we call the community. And if you'd like to go back and listen to this broadcast again, then go to our radio page for the audio archive. CD copies or printed transcripts of today's conversation, as well as any in the studio program, are available to order. Also, a complete listing of Michael's music and books, including his latest project, A Fragile Stone, can be found online at michaelcard.com. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris, our producer Joe Carlson, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.